Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. Over a hundred years ago, um, an Austrian duke, some of you that are history buffs will remember this, an Austrian duke by the name of Franz Ferdinand. He was assassinated in 1914. And I see the history buffs nodding their head. You did good in school. I didn't remember that in school. I had to go back and relearn this. But his assassination ignited a global war that we now know as World War I. And what's interesting is all this happened within about a seven-day period. We uh, Austria declared war on Serbia because they thought Serbia was responsible for the assassination. And, and then so Russia turned around and declared war on Austria. And then Germany declared war on Russia. And so then France declared war on Germany. And so Germany figured, well, let's declare war on two nations. And then they turned around again and declared war on Belgium. And then Britain got involved and declared war on Germany. And all this happened within about a week's time. And isn't it something we label that World War I? But don't we still follow kind of the same pattern? If you get mad at me, I'm going to get mad at somebody. Over the next four years... Uh, historians tell us that somewhere between the numbers of 16 and 20 million lives were lost. And there are some of you that are listening to me today, either online or sitting right here in this crowd, that you have grandpas or relatives or family or know of friends that fought way back there in that war. During this time, there was a new war tactic that was used that the video told us about. It was being called trench warfare and 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 what what made it so different is for the first time in history you could fight you could fire on you could throw grenades at you could throw all kind of weaponries at an enemy that you didn't have to look in the face that you didn't have to look at eye to eye from down in the trench below the ability to see who you were hurting or who you were harming you could throw fire upon them in fact, I just recently watched a movie, uh, and this was seen in the movie 1917, uh, that just recently came out. Trench warfare is, is the kind of warfare where you find your position. This is my position. This is where I'm going to fight from. Come on. Don't even act like that's not much different than how we are today. When we find our position, what we're going to stand for, and then we dig down into that position and we make a trench. And, and you never get out of that trench. And you hide in that position as you establish your line and your position and your rights. What's, this, it, what's interesting about it as we study this war, what's interesting is that the battle lines during World War I hardly even moved because people didn't get out of their trenches. Millions of lives were lost, but geographically speaking, things really did not change much. About six months into the war uh, of 19, in 1914, it was Christmas Eve, and someone dared to get out of their trench. I mean, I want you to imagine this. The video talks about that, that they got into this place called no man's land. 
this, this land between the trenches, all the trenches facing one another, someone on Christmas Eve had the audacity to lay down their weapon, go walking into no man's land without a weapon, and declared a ceasefire. Wow. Come on now. And although there was so much that they disagreed about and so much that they hated about one another and so much that they were angry with one another about, the Germans and the British and the French all had Christians fighting on their sides and all of them agreed that on Christmas Eve they just wanted to celebrate Jesus. They would have been thrilled to be standing in here singing Jaira. Come on somebody, right? The common ground caused them to come together. And what's fascinating about this, you can Google it, you can look it up, and you will see old pictures of them that night. The enemies in no man's land, they talked that night. They shared that night. They showed pictures of their family that night. Some say they played cards that night. There was even pictures of a soccer game that the enemies of one another played on that night of Christmas Eve, 1914. All the while, their weapons were on the ground. That night changed them. The next day, when fighting was to resume, history, historians will tell us that they wouldn't pull the trigger. They could not fire upon somebody. They couldn't hate on somebody that they were doing life with. Oh my, I want to preach right there. Come on now. They, they, they couldn't harm somebody that they just looked at pictures with. They couldn't harm somebody, come on, that they just ate fruitcake with. How many know what I'm saying, right? The fruitcake will do the damage itself. Amen. <laughs> History records that the commanding officers literally had to take those soldiers and reassign them to different regiments or different trenches so that they could be back to battle, just to get them to fight again. As a matter of fact, in the years to come, there would be a new wartime rule established, all because of what happened in 1914 on Christmas Eve. There was a new rule time establishment, and it stated that there would be no fraternizing with the enemy. It demanded that you couldn't become friends with those that you are at war with. Isn't that just like the enemy of our soul? He doesn't want us to be friends with people that we disagree with. Hasn't that not become what our culture is? What happened to being able to disagree and having differences of opinions without digging trenches and going to war? This event, everybody, this was literally called, it's in the history books, as the Christmas Truce of 1914. Similarly, there's a war that's still going on today. And I'm not talking about a battlefield where there's weapons and, and blood and guts. I'm not talking about that kind of war. But it's just as devastating and it's just as uh, important. It's a war that's going on in our hearts. And today we have groups that are entrenched in their positions. Come on. I might even be one of them. Hmm. We, we get so entrenched into our belief system and our denomination and our kind of faith and our kind of politics and our kind of agendas. Come on, don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. And we, and, and, and we today might be calling it trench warfare. Maybe I could say it differently. Maybe, maybe it's social media warfare. Because we don't have to talk in the flesh. We can hide in the trench behind a screen and say anything that we want to say to anybody regardless of who they are. 
regardless of the fact that Jesus died for them also. Throwing grenades at people that we don't have to do life with. I think that's the indictment during this whole pandemic is the enemy has tried to get us convinced that church is just as good online. And while I'm glad you're watching online today, it's not just as good. We got to come to a no man's land and we got to do life with one another and share pictures with one another and play games with one another and hug one another and high five one another and love one another. Come on, everybody. About four months ago, I decided finally, no matter how much positive was working for me on social media, I just quit social media. Until this last week, I had to share some stories. But uh, I, I quit social media, and here's why. There was a lot of things adding up to it, but I read a statement one day, and I seen a statement by someone that said something like this, that all the people that have gotten the vaccine are like blind sheep. They are so stupid, I believe within the next few years they will suffer the consequences. And what was devastating about that was it somebody that's in my trench with me. It's somebody that I attend church with. And I thought, there's nothing further from the truth. I've studied it out. I've talked with my doctor. I made the best decision for my life. But there's somebody in their trench of their mindset throwing grenades without looking in the eye of somebody else. Come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? It's kind of like, here, take this grenade as we fire it off from behind our computer screens and our mobile devices. And, and our trenches, our trenches, let me name our trenches, because maybe some of you will be familiar with them. Our trenches are politics. Our trenches look like uh, race, and our trenches are sexuality. Our trenches are bent on our theology. Our trenches are the vaccine. Our trenches are all kind of different things, and nobody wants to get out of their trenches, and it has caused a nation and a society that you and I have both felt. We are isolated. We are polarized. We are angry, and we are not about to get out of our trenches because our trench is the right trench. Mm, mm, mm. But I want to challenge the people of God. It's time for somebody under His mercy and His grace and under His flag to step into no man's land, into unfamiliar territory, and set our trenches aside because there's a greater Savior that's bigger than every trench. Come on, somebody. And every social agenda. Can I get an amen in this house today? Yes, and that's why, I've already said it, but that's why church attendance, physically attending, is so important because it's there. We, we come out of our trench. We come out of our isolation chambers. We come out of our, and we hear other opinions and other agendas of the family of God. Come on, somebody. And we begin to honor God together. You see, it's hard to shoot at someone you're doing life directly with. That was worth a better amen. I know I'm storytelling, but help a preacher out. It's hard to shoot at somebody that you're looking in the face and doing life with and laughing with. Come on, somebody. But it's easy to shoot at people from behind a computer screen. It's easy to shoot at somebody that you haven't walked in their shoes. It's easy to shoot at somebody when you don't understand where they've come from and why they're doing. Come on, what they're doing. And so here's what I declare. 
I wonder if we could declare the Christmas truce of 2021. Come on. Could we declare a truce in 2021, everybody? Matter of fact, Mark told me just the other day he did a wedding right here of a couple that attends our church by the name of Lawrence and Jane. And I didn't know this, but they had been married once and they got a divorce. But this year, just a few weeks ago, they stood right here and they renewed their vows and they remarried one another. And that's truly a reconciliation. And if they can do it, come on, we can do that, everybody. The subject, the truce, here's the definition. A truce is a suspension in the fight. Maybe we don't have it all worked out. Maybe we don't have it all figured out. How many know that's true? We don't have it all figured out. We don't have all the answers to this war we're in. But could we just call a timeout? Could we suspend the fight long enough to realize the person that we're mad at is made of the same flesh and blood and had to walk through the same door of grace, and but by the grace of God, there go I, everybody. In other words, I'm really mad at you, but I'm going to let something serve as a catalyst to set my weapon down. I remember when I moved here just about six, seven years ago now, I came back to a community that I left, and there were some people angry at me. And rumors had, you know, in the absence of the narrative, how many know the enemy will make sure to fill and backfill the narrative? And I came back to rumors, and I came back to people that were mad at me. And people were mad at me that had never met me. People were mad at me about lies that were told about me. And so I decided it was everything I could do. I don't want to look like the hero because I'm not. But I picked up the phone and called as many as those people as I could. I took them to dinner. My wife is my witness. I took them to dinner. I took them to coffee, bought their coffee, and looked at them and called a truce, called a reconciliation. And I apologized for things that were absolute lies. I apologized for things I didn't really need to apologize for. But I decided if I was going to have peace in my life, I needed to be a peacemaker in my life. Come on, everybody, right? So let me ask the question, what if Christmas this year could be a little different? What if we don't just celebrate Christmas? What if we would experience Christmas this year? What if Christmas could be 2021 Christmas truths? What if Christmas could be the catalyst? You say, okay, Ken, you have no idea what I'm dealing with, and you have no idea of who my enemy is, and I would say you're absolutely right, I don't. But don't tune me out yet. You say, well, how does it work? How would it work if we did call a truce? How could we have reconciliation? Let me just give you, this is super simple. I'm almost embarrassed how simple this is to preach, but I promise you it's difficult to walk out. It's difficult to do it. How do we do this? How do we bring reconciliation? Number one, someone has to take the first step. Somebody has to do it. And there might be people, I can, I can already hear your arguments. You didn't know I can hear your thoughts, did you? I can already hear your arguments. Yeah, but you don't know. I've already taken the first step. But somebody has to take the first step again. There's been silence. And you know, it's the mo- did you know it's the most stressful time of the year during the holidays? Because people that haven't talked all year long have to gather together and pretend to be happy for the sake of little Johnny. How many know what I'm talking about, right? And it's the silent treatment. And we're silent. And they're silent and we're in our trenches and we're in our ideologies and we're in our way and we're not about to go into no man it's like 
I have to admit, not long ago, Patty and I just, we had a pretty big fight. And, uh, you know, and I know it's hard for you to believe that, but, and, and, and I sometimes, when I get in an argument, I start pouting. Are there any other pouters in the room that would admit it? Because I don't want to say something I shouldn't. Come on, come on, be proud to be a pouter out there, all right? And so I start pouting, and I do this silent treatment. Any silent treatment people out there? Well, Patty, she's not about to stir up the beehive, so she goes silent too. And all of a sudden, it's just silence. And we're both mad, but we're avoiding each other, you know, and just kind of like acting like we can't see one another. And so I decided, man, I'm not about to talk to her because whoever talks first loses. <laughs> don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about, husbands and wives. So I decided I would go to bed first and hurry up and fall asleep so I didn't have to break the silence. And I was going to take up as much bed as I could so she had to sleep on the little cord of the mattress. How many know what I'm saying, right? But I realized I had a 7 o'clock appointment in the morning and I was afraid I'd oversleep. And so I said, I got a 7 o'clock appointment in the morning. I wrote her a little note. I got a 7 o'clock appointment in the morning. Would you please wake me up by 6.30 so I can make my appointment? And I set it on her pillow. I woke up the next morning. It was 8.30. I looked over at her bed. She wasn't even there. I thought, she hasn't even come to bed. I looked over on my nightstand, and there was a note. This is your wake-up call. Get up. <laughs> Look at all you evil women out there. Amen in that. <laughs> you see, the thing is, nobody wants to take the first step because the enemy has made us think that if you take the first step, you're going to appear weak. Come on, didn't we get over that game in first grade? Remember the staring contest? Whoever blinks first loses. We're 30, we're 40, 50, 60, 70 years old, and we're still playing the don't blink contest. Mm. But do you know that you're really stronger, the person that makes the first move? is really the stronger one. Matthew chapter number 5, verse number 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. One of my life verses, I didn't put it on the screen for you, but it's Proverbs chapter number 16, verse number 32. It says, better a patient man than a warrior. Better a man who can control his temper than a man who can win a city. Wow. You're stronger when you can take the first step. You're stronger when you can say you're sorry, even though you feel like you're right. Hello, somebody. Number two, the second thing we've got to do is that you will need to drop your weapons. Now, this is going to go against everything in culture right now, and I'm probably going to make somebody mad at me on this. I'm probably, somebody's going to get their feathers all ruffled up right now. I can just feel it right now. I'm not trying to prophesy it. I just know how people are. That means you might need to drop your opinion. It might mean you need to watch this. Don't say what I don't say. It might mean you need to drop your ideologies. It might mean you need to drop some things that you have held very dear to. They're minor things compared to the major thing. Now, I did not say to drop your convictions. I didn't say that at all. But don't, don't come prepared to win an argument. That's not a peacemaker. When you call somebody that you've been inside, I'm taking the first step, and let me just remind you why I'm right. 
I'm not telling you to drop your convictions. I'm not even necessarily saying let them off the hook. I'm not saying any of that. Don't come loaded with facts and points and points of view because the Bible says love doesn't keep a record of right and wrong. Uh Uh-oh, there you go, Ken. you got to use Scripture to win your argument. Yeah! Now, I understand as I was writing this point, there's all kind of issues and all kind of situations that I can't even try to, I, I, I can't even try to appeal to all of them. And so here's what I would say. I would say, I, I would say that this message would be best compared with or best le- uh, preached in the backdrop of a message I already preached, and it's on our webpage. And if you're struggling with this point, go back and watch the message. It's in big letters. It's called forgiveness. And in that message, I talk about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. And so if you're struggling with this whole idea of dropping your weapon, I'm not saying drop your convictions. I'm not saying ignore that the hurt happened. I'm not saying that at all. But I don't have time to re-preach that message and this one. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Number three is focus on what unites us. I love that truce of 1914. They said, we're Christians. We love Jesus. Yes, we disagree with your policies, and yes, we disagree with your policies, but we agree on Jesus. Can this Christmas be the Christmas that we agree on Jesus, everybody? Can we just agree on His grace and His mercy? Come on, everybody. Because here's the facts. You're always going to disagree with somebody. I don't even agree with myself most of the time. One day I think this, and the next day I think this. Come on, is there any other schizos out there like me? Come on now. I have to remember we are, watch this, we are all sinners, and we are all saved by grace, and we all walk through the same door because we all have issues, everybody. And if you don't think you have issues, that is your issue. I've been studying the book of Romans, as I told you, I'm getting ready to uh, prepare and to bring a series to you. One of the things that caught my attention this week is in Romans chapter number 3, where Paul talks about that we can't come boasting. None of us can come boasting like we are in a better place or in a better position or our trench is better than your trench. Paul said, if anybody could boast, it would be I. But I refuse to boast because even I, had to, the chief of sinners, had to walk through the very same door. Now let me switch gears just a little bit. You might consider, or you might try, conflict resolution. Do you know conflict resolution? It's good, but I'm going to talk a little bit about the negatives of conflict resolution. Because that's the world's way of doing things. The world's way is conflict resolution. The the word resolution, it it, it declares a winner and it declares a loser. How are we going to resolve this? So when you're trying to do conflict resolution, somebody wins and somebody loses. There will always be casualties in resolution. Come on, World War I, 20 million people had to die in the process of a resolution. A whole lot of people had to die. A whole lot of people were wounded. And sometimes when we try to resolve, well, I'm mad because you did this, and it reopens a wound. Yeah, well, I did this because you did that, and it reopens a wound. And then sometimes in the process of resolution, come on, husbands and wives, you know what I'm talking about? 
resolution goes through list by list and declares who is right and who is wrong. But God has a better way than conflict resolution. It's called reconciliation. Reconciliation, here's what it means. Reconciliation means to bring back together by bringing the balance to zero. By, come on, get out the erasers and bring the balance to zero. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. I'm just bringing the balance. How many know marriages would be better if we could just bring the balance back to zero? Come on, everybody. Now, here's something I'm embarrassed to admit. I literally, not very long ago in my life, just probably a couple years ago at most, (laughs) don't you love it when preachers say, my sins from years ago. But I literally, I had kept a group of emails from somebody that had just thrashed on me. Said some of the most hurtful things. And they sent that email, and then they denied it to other people. And I kept that email in case one day I ever needed it. I'll show them. I'll plaster it on the walls of the church and prove you're a liar. Don't look at me so holy. Some of you have done that too. I had their emails. I had their dates. I even had some of the things underlined that they verbally said that they did not say. Come on now. I was being strategic in my warfare. I was digging my trench. I kept records. Because in my mind, I thought, if I ever get the chance to resolve, I'll say, no, you said. No, you said. See, I was trying to resolve it. But Jesus came not to resolve. He came to reconcile. And ladies and gentlemen, that's the message of Christmas. Come on, everybody, right? Jesus didn't come to resolve it. Imagine if Jesus came to resolve it. Okay, Ken, sit down. First of all, the day after you were born, and just go through all the reasons why I offended the holiness of God. Come on now. Jesus didn't come to resolve it. He didn't come to talk me through why I did what I did. He didn't come to hear about all my excuses of why I acted the way. No, He doesn't come to resolve. He comes to reconcile. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus comes to bring our balance to zero. Merry Christmas! Come on now! Reconcile. How many of you are old enough to remember when the bank would send you a paper bank statement? And you had to reconcile your bank statement, right? Uh, And what didn't it feel? Come on, where's my accountants in the room? Didn't it feel good when the balance became zero? Yeah, I did it right. Uh, You reconciled to bring the balance to zero. Ephesians chapter number two talks about this. It says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united, now notice the term, Jews and Gentiles. In those days, there were two groups of people. In other words, there were only two trenches. How many know the trenches have multiplied? He's come to unite all the trenches, everybody. Hmm. I could make some of you really mad right now if I said that Jesus is not Republican. Whoa, I'm never coming back. Jesus is not Democrat. Come on. He has come to unite all the parties, all the sexes, all the religions, all the hurts, all the pain, all the races. Come on, everybody. Into one people. We are the people of God. 
I'm not first an anti-vax or a vax. I'm the person of God doing life with my brothers and sisters in the Lord who might have a different opinion than I have. This is better than you're acting like, I'm telling you. In His own body on the cross, He broke down the walls of hostility that separated us. He came from heaven to earth and stepped into no man's land. Wow! And He declared a truth. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in Himself one new people from two groups. Come on, friends. We are one group from many groups, many different walks of life, many races, many agendas, many backgrounds. Come on now. He came to reconcile us to Him. Whoa, I love that. What else do I got on that? Anything else? Together as one body. There it is. Christ reconciled. That's what Christmas is. That's the gift of Christmas. That we who are lost become saved, delivered from our trenches. Come on, everybody. Right? Both groups to God by means of His death on the cross and our hostility towards each other was put to death. Wow, God brings the balance to zero. Isn't that good news? 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 18. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us, watch this, hold on now, because it's nice to celebrate what Jesus did, but He did it for a purpose. He reconciled us so we can go and bring reconciliation. That's what Christmas is about. Say Merry Christmas all you want to say Merry Christmas. But while you're saying Merry Christmas, why don't we start reconciling? Why don't we start declaring some truths with one another? Amen, everybody? Watch this. Who reconciled us to Himself through Christ Jesus and gave us, watch this, the ministry of reconciliation. How can we, how will this church minister to people? By keeping the circle open. How do we minister to one another? By reconciling, not by condemning, not by judging, but by having open arms and letting people walk through the ministry of reconciliation. Woo-wee! I like my preaching today. I'm just going to say amen to myself. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. You're wrong, not counting. Love does keep no record of right and wrong. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Okay, so here's your choices. I'll end with this. You can resolve it. And I, and I get it. I, I, this message, I can't cover all the details. This could be a series. But there's, there, there is room for discussion. And there is room for counseling. And, and sometimes the other party is impossible. How many know what I'm talking about, right? But in resolution, there will always be casualties. Or you can reconcile it. You can bring it to zero. Now, I'm not saying that you necessarily have to walk with that person again. Maybe you can't walk with that person anymore. But you are, watch this, but by reconciling it, it doesn't mean that you're going to have a slumber party now. 
What it means is that you are now free from them. You're not carrying them. You're not carrying bitterness. You're not carrying unforgiveness. You are being set free. That is one of our goals. We want you to find freedom. And the way you find freedom is to bring the balance to zero. Get rid of those emails. Come on. Get rid of that tape recording. Get rid of the memories and bring the balance to zero. I know it's hard to say amen, ain't it, everybody? Maybe you say, well, I can't do that. Okay. That's fair enough. Fair enough. Then I invite you into a process. I invite you into a process and let God work in your life. You know something I've never done since I've been the pastor here? I've never just invited you to church. Some of you I've met at the gym, somewhere out in society, in community. I've never invited you just to church. I've invited you to a process. Because I never wanted you just to show up to church. I invite you into a process. And I say it often. I say, and I, and I will end this year by saying the same thing. If you will give us the year 2022, just give us one year. Come on. It's 50 Sundays, everybody, because you're going to miss a couple anyway, all right? And we're closed for one of them. So if, if you'll just give us a year, if you'll come to church every week, maybe you miss a couple business trips and a couple vacations, but you're not at home sleeping. Come on. I'm making church attendance a priority. I'm going to come into no man's land and get out of my trench. Come on. And you will listen to the message and, and you will get on a dream team and you will join a life group and you'll come to the few Wednesday night discipleships we have. You will give of your tithe and you'll give of your talent. I can guarantee you your life will be better better this time next year I guarantee it because it's the word of God and if your life isn't better I'll suggest another church for you to go to and I'll probably close down and go with you because that's how much I believe in what God is doing it's the message of reconciliation everybody let's be the Christmas truths of 2021 and let's allow 2022 to be a year of reconciliation right everyone and carry into a new year. Why not? We only have a few days left. You've been carrying this for years. Why not walk into a new year with the balance being zero? Set free. Come on. That's what we talk about. Find freedom and join a life group and talk it out. Discover purpose and get on a dream team. Come on, everybody. Walk into the new year free of the old things. Free of the things someone else has done to you. Do you know this? The first truce wasn't in 1914. How many already know that, right? It was the night a Savior was born unto us in Bethlehem. It was the first Christmas truce. Jesus, the King of the world, came as a baby. You talk about laying down your power? He laid down His power. He laid down His deity. And He stepped into no man's land. Wow. That's the first Christmas truth. Matter of fact, I want to read a verse to you, but I want to invite you to stand with me all over this place. And I want to read out of an old-fashioned Bible today. We do this every Christmas morning in our home. We'll turn to one of these verses. Today I choose to turn to Luke chapter 2. In verse number 10, here's the first Christmas truth. But the angels said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy 
that will be for all of the people. Isn't that? Hold on. Let me read that again. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid to bring the balance to zero. Don't be afraid of how they may take advantage of you or how they may hurt you. Do not be afraid because I'm bringing you good news of great joy Mm. that will be for all people who do this. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and laying in a manger. Talk about a truce. Talk about laying your power aside. And I love this part. One of my favorite Christmas songs comes out of this story. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. Can I challenge you this Christmas? Don't just go celebrate Christmas. Let's experience the power of reconciliation. Amen, everybody?